morning. Uh, today's message is one of those messages I really am excited about because it uh, came to me on uh, the 13th in the middle of the night when I was on vacation. And I love when God hits me with a powerful message because I, I just love it. And uh, the title of my message is not that I have attained. Paul said this. And uh, when you think of different things that we're attaining, I remember uh, because of my generation, I was kind of raised where you just get into a job and then you just, you're kind of faithful in that job. And I worked at an aerospace company for almost 29 years. And I remember like being in my 40s thinking, oh, wow, someday when I'm 65, I'm going to retire from the rocket ranch, United Technologies. And little did I know that God had other plans. I'm now 67 and I'm not retired. But uh, this is incredible. I just hope today that you could just open up and receive what God would say to you in this. Uh, this is Paul's letter to the Philippians. And he starts off warning about re the religious Jews. So in Philippians 3, starting with verses 2 through 4, Paul says, watch out for those dogs. Uh, he's not talking about corn dogs. Watch out for those dogs, those people who, are, who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on that Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason to and for confidence in their own efforts, I have the more. We understand under the Jewish law, they went by the Ten Commandments. They went by the first five books of, the Mo of Moses, and it was a strict law. And it was God showing the people that this is the standard he demanded. And he, he was very harsh and strong in the Old Testament to show people how they couldn't attain to what he said righteousness was so that he could set all of uh, Old Testament up to see that Jesus had to come on the scene where he fulfilled all the Ten Commandments. And because he was crucified and killed illegally because he never sinned at all, he purchased the way of salvation for all of us. And he kind of trumped everything that passed on generationally through sin nature into us from Adam. And so he broke us off. Yes, as Christians, we deal with thoughts and feelings and we see our insecurities, we see our weaknesses. But we have to keep walking in faith, knowing that our righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul, uh, he gives a, kind of like a, a former credentials of his past life. In Philippians 3, 5, and 6, Paul said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there was such a one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictness and obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. We know from Acts that he was actively persecuting and actually turning Christians in to be uh, put in prison and consenting to their death. And he was very, there, very much there consenting for Stephen's death at this time. And as for the righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So, wow, he was a... He was a pretty good dude, according to the standards that God had set. But Paul gives a self-disclosure from Galatians. In Galatians 1, 13 and 14, You have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, my Jewish religion, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers, those man-made rituals and rules that were added to the Ten Commandments that the religious leaders put on the people. Paul, you would say, like every other person of his generation, was chasing temporal goals. He was chasing for him religious things that would give him a comfort and a consolation that he was a good, a good believer and that he would go to heaven someday. Paul, the apostle, speaks about loss. In Philippians 3.7, he says this. This is after his list of qualifications. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Gaining or attaining. Paul's religious life in those verses that I had just read were that thing that he strived after, that thing that was motivating him to attain something that he could hang on to or made him feel good about himself. But Paul gave up all his religiousness, everything that had been inputted into his life, all the years of study, all the years of religion for what happened to him when he was met on that road to Damascus, when Jesus revealed himself to him and said, why are you persecuting me? Because he was going around throwing Christians in jail and killing Christians. In Philippians 3.8, he says this, Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. It brings into that place of suffering that Paul had suffered. Have you ever gone after something and then you, you suffer when it becomes a dead end or you can't quite attain? I just noticed today in our society that sports is such a big thing. I see more and more people getting their kids involved in sports at such a young age, and how many of them actually get to uh, be a pro? You know, you think of the heartaches that go on when teams lose their championships. You know, the, the temporal gains of one game or, you know, give us four months and we're back trying to win the championship again. Those goals that Paul was even going after, even religious goals, were so temporal. They were so fleeting. And yet, the things that we involve ourselves in our life, um, when they don't come to fruition, <clears throat> when they don't accomplish what we want, when we're going for that job that someone else gets, or we're striving to earn or get something that we don't get, we all suffer some kind of loss. And so Paul was recounting the losses he suffered but then he was comparing them to what he had just gained in Jesus Christ. He suffered the loss of prestige as a Pharisee. Again, he was honored and bowed down and respected by all the Jewish people. But when he became a Christian, it was just the opposite. You know what he suffered? He saw, suffered as a Christian the loss of safety. Now he became vulnerable to the very people he once was who were condemning and uh, criticizing and trying to put to death the Christians because it went so against their faith and their belief. That's why there's such opposition today religiously to Christians. And we, we feel it, it's, it's like a persecution because every other false religion is angry because we, Jesus Christ challenges their faith. So many beliefs are founded on people who are in the grave. 
But even history, secular history, says that something about this Jesus was different, that it seems like he defied death and came back to life. And it is so crazy that, uh, you know, the stories were made up that, you know, the body of Jesus was stolen by his disciples. But excuse me, why would you propagate a lie because every one of those disciples suffered a martyr's death except John because they couldn't boil him in oil, and yet he lived and died as an old man. And so who would die for a lie? What person would give up all that they knew to die if Jesus did not come back from the dead? So Paul knows what he's getting into. This personal revelation he had from Jesus meeting him on that road to Damascus did something transforming in him and all of his purposes and how he had lived his life. I want to mention a few other people who suffered the loss of something as they turned over to follow the Lord and be part of what God had called them to, which was greater than anything they had attained in the natural. We think of Moses. It says that after Moses had grown up in Exodus 2.11, that he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He watched his brothers and sisters uh, laboring, making brick for Egypt, for the Pharaoh. In Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, when it talks about the heroes of faith, it says this about Moses. It says that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Somehow, his faith in a real God caused him to see that whatever he could attain for a temporal time, and who knows how long he would live even under Pharaoh and in Pharaoh's house or even what position he would continue to have under the Egyptian rulership, that it was t- still temporal to care- compared to eternity and having faith in God. What about Elisha? In 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21, It says, so Elijah, when he was passing on and looking to the one that God had told him would succeed him, went out from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Man, he was a rich farmer. He was rich because there was 12 yokes of oxen being plowing the fields. This guy was a good landowner. What came over him, what happened to him with this thing that God was doing inside that would cause him to leave everything and become a servant of the man of God? What about James and John? They were in partnership with Peter as fishermen. And in Luke 5, 10 and 11, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners in the fishing trade, then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, 
left everything and followed Jesus. What is it? What is it that happens to us when we meet Jesus that it changes our purposes? It changes our motivations. It changes our passions. It changes everything about who we are. It's insane when you think about the world and everything it has to offer us that why are we taking, why are, we, why are you here today? Why am I here today? You know, what is it that Jesus has done to us that is so profoundly, has us on a different road? And all of us know we don't always feel Jesus. I don't always feel in high. Again, on my vacation, I kind of was just checked out. And yeah, I read my Bible every day. In fact, the first time in years, we left two weeks ago today on a Sunday morning. We didn't even go to church Sunday. Usually if we go on vacation, we find a church somewhere, we go to church, we worship, you know, we keep connected with God. But no, we're just on our way. And here I am just going through the motions. I loved it where we're at. I was watching planes take off in the harbor. That was my favorite thing was watching airplanes take off and land right in front of me. But here in the middle of it, God speaks a powerful thing to us that no matter what we do, there are profound moments when God shows up. And it may be the moments when you accept Jesus Christ and he just comes in and you go through this time and then you're living your life or whatever. But time after time after time, God reveals himself to us. God pours his love into us. God challenges us about things he wants to change or he puts something on our heart he wants us to do. And it seems crazy to our natural mind because we're used to living life from what we see, feel, and hear. What has programmed us up to the moment where Jesus uh, comes to us and we get weird, we get radical. People think we're crazy. But that's just the work of God. What about, about Matthew, the IRS agent? In Matthew 9.9, Jesus saw Matthew named, saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And that's the way Jesus is. He has such love for us. He sees us where we're at. He sees us in our condition. And he says, I want you. And yeah, our, every way we've learned and things that we've invested our life in, it's, a, it's kind of a struggle when Jesus says he wants you because you're in this adjustment of breaking off from what you used to do and what used to be priorities to let him have your life. And it's a progress that we're all going through, being changed and transformed, ever falling deeper and deeper in love with God and knowing that he's with us and in us. It's the way it is. But anyway, the tax man was just collecting taxes, and Jesus saw him. And whoa, what's going to happen? Jesus said to him, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. How many of us had such a radical change when we met Jesus that we just got up, we did it in about face, and we left things that were so familiar, so comfortable, even some things that were really kind of shameful or degrading, but we just got up and we started following Jesus. Excuse me, my eyes are leaking a little water today. We get an opportunity to um, follow someone a little greater, to have a little bit more potential. You know, I mentioned that when I started out about looking forward to retiring at UTC, I think I would have had 40-something years because I started when I was 18. I, I was looking to have something like 40-something years and getting some retirement like that, you know, every month. I'm glad I didn't retire there. I, I mean, in God, there's just this ever-increasing goal, purpose, motivation that doesn't stop. I, I thought of different uh, things that I had attained to. I remember 
after five and a half years of janitoring, I got an opportunity to go into, uh, because I just worked hard, I got an opportunity to go into um, company stores, shipping and receiving. And in a, in a matter of three months, I got put in a department where I, I was doing three jobs. I was shipper, receiver, and company stores. I was running the whole department. And they said, you know, you're doing so good, we're going to make you lead man. So I had a little carrot out in front of me, right? Follow that, you're going to be a lead man. Yeah, they made me lead man. And then all of a sudden one day, the guy who I was, one of the jobs I was taking over, he came back, he had been sick. I lost my position. Uh, all my work for nothing, right? That's the thing about our earthly pursuits. God wants you to, God wants to bless you. God wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you on your job. But don't get afraid if he adjusts you or he, he wants something else to happen in your life because he, he wants to give you something that's a little bit more, something more to expect. Otherwise, the temporal goals in this life, they're so shallow. You know, they, they don't last long. You work for something, you get something you want, and after you got it, it's, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Paul provokes questions. What losses have you suffered to gain Jesus Christ? I know some of you, it's cost you. Some people, their family doesn't like them. Some people are facing things in relationships because they made a decision to follow Jesus. It's understandable. Jesus is a, is a powerful force to reckon with. It's hard to say no to Jesus once you've experienced his love. Sometimes we leave sinful pleasures or lusts, denying our old nature or even false religion. Everything in the world, dead ends. Ever see those streets that said, no through road or dead end? Those are things that we should remember about the different things that try to draw us away from Jesus. They're only going to lead to a dead end. It's going to leave us empty and wanting. And for a moment, there are things that distract us and get us off the highway of walking with Jesus. But sooner or later, we realize, I'm on the wrong road. I've left my first love. This is not really satisfying. Yeah, my temporal life might be satisfied for a few moments, but my deep, the deep place in my heart, my relationship with God is not being fulfilled. Paul uses the word rubbish about the losses that, would, uh, that he would be compared to. Would you agree to that? The things that you've left for Jesus, are they like rubbish? Do they, are they like meaningless now? I remember when I was really young, 1972, when I bought my brand new flame orange Camaro. And I would probably spend more time washing that thing and waxing that thing. And my aunt came over one time and she just put her finger on it. She goes, I just wanted to put a fingerprint on it because you're always keeping it clean. <laughs> she wanted to see if I was going to get mad. No, no big deal because I just waxed it again. But over a series of events, of uh, right before I left for work one day, uh, Chester Doors, my dad had in the garage, fell over and crushed my front fender. Uh, my sister, during the gas wars, uh, her car left her car in gear and crashed the back end of my Camaro. And I was always immediately putting it in the garage, doing body work, painting that thing, so within a week it was on the road again. But, you know, those things, I'm thankful for God. I, I had things like that that he let me have because he showed me they were temporal. They didn't feel something that only he could feel. And don't get me wrong, he wants you to enjoy things, and he gives you things to enjoy. But he comes and he feels something so much deeper that, yes, you can enjoy life, and you can enjoy the good things, 
but don't let it distract you from keeping your eyes on Jesus, following Jesus, putting him first, being the person he wants you to be. Get a passion to strive for Jesus. Who knows what calling might come upon you? You know what Jesus might say like Matthew, hey, uh, I'm tired of you following what you want to do. I have ministry for you. There could be people in this church that God has a call over your life. God has a call for something greater than what you're doing. And we all face resistance. I remember my whole life, I was raised in church, accepted Jesus at an early age. At times, I knew I didn't want to be a pastor. I saw all the things that happened. I didn't want it. This is what happens when you follow Jesus. You just keep saying yes. Yes. I have suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ. What about God's righteousness apart from trying to keep the law? My mom used to call me a good boy. My sister still teases me, oh, here's the good boy. Oh, there's the boy. My sister, I'm 67 years old. When I meet my sisters today, if I go see my mom, they're going to go, oh, there's the boy. I'm 67 years old. I'm older than you. What do you mean, the boy? But we have righteousness. Yeah, I know we all deal with things, but we are righteous by the blood of Jesus. He says that when he went to the cross, he died for the sins of the world. Every sin, past, present, and future, when we accept it, we just are laying claim to that. And when we're struggling with something, we just say, confess it. God, forgive me for this. This is something I'm doing, and it's not right. I'm convicted. God, change me. And it's God who's faithful to sanctify, to change you, to keep working the changes in you that you see about yourself. All you have to do is keep acknowledging it. He's working on us. It's the work and the promise that's ongoing until we meet him. In Philippians 3.9, I'm repeating this. Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through Christ, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Knowing Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was all God and all man. But there was an anointing on Jesus that could touch people, that could heal people, that could reach in and touch the places where they were broken and where sin had uh, defined them and the enemy was beating them up, making them think there was no hope. And he set them free. We sing about that, about freedom. It's that freedom we get that we become different people. Even though we can remember our past, we're different In Philippians 3, 10 and 11, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's where the sufferings are too, when we're fighting our old nature that wants us to go in one way, but God is saying, I want you to go this way. And those are the sufferings, the struggles we have of saying no to the old ways and letting God have his way. I was kicking and screaming coming out to start a church. I think I had attitudes for the first year or so that I was here because it was such a transformation. It was such a radical thing from uh, God, like, pulled the rug out from under everything. I knew how to drive, operate equipment. I was very comfortable at work. I was respected. I had seniority. I had six weeks vacation a year plus 11 free days. (laughs) Matthew Henry says this about the passage. Paul was desirous to know the power of Christ's death and the resurrection, killing sin in him, killing the old nature, and raising him up to newness of life. 
as he was to receive the benefit of Christ's death and resurrection in his justification, that he might be conformable unto him, and this also is meant of his sanctification. We are then made conformable to Christ's death when we die to sin, as Christ died to sin. When we are crucified with Christ, the flesh and affections of it are mortified, and the world is crucified to us, and we to the world. That just means sometimes the things of the world don't affect us like they used to. By virtue of the cross of Christ, this is our conformity to Christ's death. The happiness of heaven is here called the resurrection of the dead, because though the souls of the faithful, when they depart, are immediately with Christ, yet their happiness will not be complete till their general resurrection of the dead at the last day, when soul and body shall be glorified together. That means we're going to get a new body someday. This old 67-year-old body is going to get a different, a new a makeover, a new body. To the saints, it will be indeed a resurrection, a return to bliss and life and glory, while the resurrection of the wicked is a rising from the grave, but a return to a second death. It is called the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of life, John 5, 29. And they are counted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, Luke 20, 35. Paul's revelation of heaven. Again, his motivation about heaven is from a revelation. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4, I know a man, he's talking about himself, in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible words, things that no one is permitted to tell. My key verse for today is Philippians 3.12. Not that I have attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold on me. Do you realize when you accept Jesus, it's a powerful thing. You're reconnected with God the Father. You, no matter what your father was like, good or bad, you're reconnected with God the Father, the perfect Father, and he wants to restore that image to you and that expression of relationship that you're supposed to have with your father. God begins to restore that. It begins to be that father to you. But do you know he laid hold of all of us, but you know he laid hold of you for a purpose? Sorry to say, oftentimes people... They just have experienced salvation in heaven and they don't really get to know who Jesus is or get to go into the calling that he has for them now. He doesn't love us any less. But I don't want any of us here today to miss out on why God has laid hold of on us. You know, Paul is, I love this part of Paul because he's really honest. Here he is, a great apostle, one of the greatest ministries in Christianity in the church that Jesus established was apostles. The ability to perform miracles, evangelize, start churches, that was all around what an apostolic gift was. But he's so honest, not that I have already attained or am perfected. He realized his humanness. He realized who he was and his weaknesses. And this is what he said, identifying himself as an imperfect man, 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10. I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that is in me. And even as we, are, uh, we meet Jesus and there's something powerful put into us, his presence, and he makes our spirit alive in communion with God, and like the telephone line is hooked up, the grace of God, which is God's ability in us, the Holy Spirit brings gifts and awakens this whole new area to be open and to receive what God wants to do in our life. The power of God coming into us and filling us. The word attain is a word full of potential to press on because there is spiritual opposition. Satan can be happy enough if you just have fire insurance that you're saved and you know Jesus, but he doesn't want you to really know Jesus. He is very uncomfortable when you get to know him when you're having fellowship and relationship with him. There's great spiritual resistance in pressing on to know God. You can set up time, I'm going to spend this time with God, and you'll get a phone call, there'll be an emergency, there'll be a crisis. Every time you want to set apart time for God, there's going to be something good, even good distractions. Even someone that wants to talk about a Bible verse with you. To lay hold means you have to grasp something. You have to grasp that the greatest thing you have is Jesus Christ. And especially when you're not feeling him and you're not wanting to pray or you're not wanting to read or not even wanting to go into church, that you do it anyway. That you keep pressing through and pressing forward and laying hold and even getting with God. Come on, God, give me all that you have for me. And he's not going to do it all at once, but if you're aggressively asking for everything that he has for you, you're going to get the next thing that is for you. He, if you aren't aware of a spiritual gift that you have, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It talks about the spiritual gifts that are given, that the Holy Spirit looks at you and he says, ah, oh, hmm, she needs this, he needs this. And there's a gift that's imparted that you have to grab onto and pray about and exercise. And it's totally a, a walk by faith because you're shifting into a spiritual realm where none of us have our own confidence, but it's something we exercise because of Jesus Christ. Laying hold of Jesus Christ in heaven. You know what? Not too long ago, I was in my 20s. I don't know what happened. It seemed like it was yesterday. And now I'm approaching 70. This life is so quick. This life is so quick. And so you guys, I like to call us, you know, they say the generation today that they're consumers. I want you to become investors that you're investing in the kingdom of God. You're investing in your relationship with God because as you invest in God, he's going to give you things that you can consume also. You know, he wants to take care of you. He says, if you put me first, I will take care of all your other needs. But if you get in that rhythm with God and that focus with God, putting him first, if you lay hold for that which you are le- have been apprehended for, you are not going to be unhappy. Yes, I've had some unhappy days. I struggle sometimes being a pastor. It's, it's against my personality. I'm the kind of person I just want to be on the background. You put me up front. I don't like that. I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. You have to ask yourself these questions. What spiritual gifts have I to use? What greater purposes do I have in the place of what I have lost? Have I stopped pressing on in knowing Jesus Christ? You know, we go through highs and lows. As I'm a pastor, I felt like I've gone through the last couple of months of just like my prayer life. God, what can I say to you? You're in control of everything. 
Everything I pray, sometimes the things I'm praying about are vain repetitions because you know because I keep praying them over and over. We all go through the seasons of the doldrums and yet there's this time when God breathes like this message when he woke me up in the middle of the night and breathed this message on me. I go, whoa, I read the scripture probably hundreds of times and now all of a sudden it's alive. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the context of the word and the context is context. But in between the lines, when the Holy Spirit breathes on the word, context is removed and there's something greater, a greater meaning comes out that speaks right to your heart and speaks to you. That's why as you eat, as you eat food every day, you've got to consume the word. You've got to read the word and it fills you. It feeds your spirit. Taking the word of God because it's living and active, it feeds your spirit. It sets you up to know what you're to lay hold on. It sets you up to know what God is saying versus what my mind and emotions and what the world is saying and what Satan's trying to distract me. I tell you, there's a million voices that are constantly attacking us, just like that series that Jay just took us through about crashing the chatterbox. I have to read the verse again, Philippians 3.14. Look at it this week. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an upward call on all of us in Christ Jesus.